right, Rink Rats, welcome back. Season 5, episode 21. We're going into the summer months. Uh, good to see you all, or maybe the one person that is live right now following us. But anyway, uh, great to be back and great to be chatting Blackhawk Hockey. We have some stuff to talk about. Boy, the rumors are flying tonight. I am here with this awesome crew. We've got Eric Andrews back, content director of the rink. Eric Andrews, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. It's summertime. It's hot, which is not ideal. But other than that, doing pretty good. Awesome. Andrew Bard is back. Andrew Bard has been with us all year. Fantastic addition. We'd love to hear his thoughts tonight. Bardo, what's going on? What's new? Tell us how things are going on Strong Island. Everything is fantastic here on Strong Island. Weather's getting warmer. Um, so, yeah, everything's great. Awesome. Excellent. And Sean Fitzgerald was not there for our last one, and it absolutely broke my heart, the heart and soul of our podcast, the guy with the hats, the guy with the look, the man with the fan in the background. Shawnee, it's not the same without you. I'm so glad you're here. What's going on, buddy? How have you been? I've been great. I'm glad to be back. I missed you guys, too. I was out losing in Star Wars trivia on the last one, so um, <laughs> uh, my trivia game is not up to snuff. Uh, tonight's hat, I'm wearing the conference championship hat from 2015 Stanley Cup final because this is probably the last one I'm going to get to wear these in a long time. So let's soak it in now. Trucker hat, hot day, keep, keeping cool. Yeah. We're not going to have very many, uh, championship hats of anything division conference Stanley Cup for quite some time, Blackhawks fans. And to that end, we're going to dive into a real quick shout out to our sponsor beforehand, www.puckhockey, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y in all caps, dot com. Use discount code, the rink in all caps, 10% off. Hey, if you spend a hundred bucks there, if you're that brave, you could get a free t-shirt out of this too. Just think about that. All right. Free t-shirts. A lot of people don't get free t-shirts in the world, but enough about that. Enough about free t-shirts. Enough about our sponsorship. Are the Blackhawks going to be selling any T-shirts if they're talking about what they're talking about doing right now? The rumors are out, ladies and gentlemen. Alex Debrinkit, superstar. I will say superstar. Their only all-star this year. Two-time 40-goal scorer. Three-time 30-goal scorer. Arguably their best east-west-north-south player this past year. I think there's a strong argument for him being the best player on the team right now. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, though we're going through a rebuild, people are saying, get Kane, get Taves, move their non-movement clause or no-movement clauses. You know, let's start shipping out. Let's start stockpiling. And the one name that maybe you didn't think was going to be in there, Kyle Davidson is not afraid to field calls on. And that's Alex Dabrinkit. It seems like public knowledge right now is on the trade block. Mass hysteria. Dogs and cats living together. What are we going to do? Blackhawks fans, don't freak out yet. Nothing has happened. He's just seen what's going on out there. What can you get for him? Let's talk some shop. I want to hear some thoughts. It's Like I said, it's not the same without Sean Fitzgerald on this podcast. So we are going to go to him first. Sean, okay. Alex okay. DeBrinkett possibly being traded. Thoughts? So I want to hear where you're at, and then let's dive into the analytical. What's up? Okay, so... Gates going to, if he's listening, he's going to cringe. But I'm going to quote um, Jed Hoyer, who consulted for the Blackhawks. Um, he said, if you're going to do it, you got to do it all the way. And if they're going to rebuild, they're going to rebuild all the way. Alex Dabrinkit, I see the logic in it. As a fan, it would hurt. But I see the logic in it. He's a 24, 40-goal scorer, like you said. Yeah. He's still got another year left on his deal before you have to pay him. So somebody's going to trade for him and then still have that window to negotiate his next deal. Right. He's he's improved his game every year he's been in the NHL, so he's not uncoachable. Seems like a likable guy. Like, he's your best asset that you can control right now. So yep. I think it's the if – if Kyle Davidson is serious about rebuilding, like – like 100% serious, like all in, we're going to do it my way. This is my, I'm going to sink or swim. I'm doing it. No half measures. We've seen enough half measures. He's going for it. You got to trade Alex to bring it. And to quote Eric Andrews, asset management, yep. Alex to bring it, 
brings you back the best return, better than Kane, because Kane is on a, is a no movement and older in the last year of his deal. Alex Dabrinkit, like I said, is younger, cost controlled right now. He's probably going to get a bridge deal. He'll probably get $9 million, something like that. A team like the New Jersey Devils, who are on the brink, maybe close. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But that yeah, the, that, the, the brink. Oh, sorry. The brink. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Pun oh, intended. Very, very good. So yeah, that, that that's where I'm at right now. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so you, you're saying so what you're saying is what you're saying to the folks right now that are listening. Hey, you're either going to do this or you're not. Right. That's the and if that's the K, if that's the case, you got to move this guy. Yeah. He okay. he hurts you rebuilding. He's going to win. Help them win too many games. Yeah. If you yeah. want to be bad, he's got to go. No, okay. Okay, Bard, where are you on this whole thing, man? And then tell me your thoughts, what you think of this, the positives, the negatives. Talk to me, man. It's real simple. When you have a 200-year-old house that is falling apart, you don't keep two or three walls because, you know, they're nice. They have nice paintings on it and then rebuild around it. It doesn't work that way. Even if you're saying this is a stained glass window from like 1600? You could save that and turn that into a mezuzah if you want. I don't even care. <laughs> but but here's here's the reality of it. If we look at the last couple of years with the Blackhawks, you know the one thing that I think is a common thread that a lot of people have said: Look, we we all know they they've been bad, but not bad enough. Yes, they got lucky on the on the dock um, on on the uh, dock lottery pick, but. They haven't been bad enough because they still have, haven't bottomed out yet. They still have a lot of talent on that roster that yeah. can enable them to at least somewhat come within breathing distance of the final wild card spot, yeah. um, at least for a certain amount of time. Right. So to me, I think it's a hundred percent. You have to trade him, you know, yeah. enough about the marketing and, and putting the, putting butts in seats. This is about the future and rebuilding the right way. It's time to trade him. You know, there's no reason to have another max contract, $9 million while you're rebuilding. We're stuck yeah, with the Seth Jones contract. There's no, yeah, there's no reason to have this. And right. yeah, goal, maybe goal scorers age well, but at this point, I'd rather take my chances and get three or four assets of which you may get two Alex to bring it out of it mm-hmm. or three versus or maybe you get another defenseman or whatever it is you get but again you don't give them away either but you you should really shop them around and figure out what his value is and get as much as you can let the record be set straight too it's seth or per ray it's seth or seth or so let's so let yeah no i i appreciate that thought and that is the big question mark too and 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 eric i really want to to get to you and your thoughts around this particularly because it's a year from now, Alex Dabrinkit will be a $9 million contract hit if they decide to hold on to him. And that might be for six or seven years, particularly if he throws up 30, uh, 40 goals again, even in a losing season, even if they're not doing very well. And uh, Sean, to your point, if he does really well, that might put him in a position outside of a lottery pick almost, which defeats the entire purpose of tanking to get into the lottery, which the Blackhawks honestly just need to do. You either do it or you don't like Eric. I mean, can the, can the Blackhawks realistically have two 9 million plus players on their payroll, almost taking up $20 million between two players and actually be rebuilding? I mean, what do you think of this whole thing, Eric? Tell me. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, they can, um, <clears throat> is it going to surprise me if they do honestly? No. Um, you know, is that right or wrong? You know, it, that's up for debate and we'll debate that for the rest of the podcast, obviously. Um, I mean, my initial thoughts, um, going back to what Sean said at the beginning, uh, this needs to be about asset maximization, not management maximization. Um, you need to maximize the assets that you have if you are entering a rebuild, because that's just the most effective way to do a rebuild. So, you know, like you guys were saying, when you look at the assets that the Blackhawks currently have, I don't think it's any surprise that Alex Dabrinkit is one of, if not the most valuable asset that they have in the organization. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, then you have to decide, okay, what do we do with that asset? 
how is that asset going to best serve us by the time we are back into contention? And, you know, when are they going to be back in contention? Who knows? A lot of that is just going to depend on how they draft and develop and stuff like that, which remains to be seen under this front office. Um, You know, don't just automatically assume that they can't draft and develop because that front office is gone. You know, we don't know what this front office can do. Hopefully they'll be better, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. No idea. You know, the more lottery tickets you have, the better chance that you're going to hit on one of those. So all that being said, you know, they're entering a rebuild and Kyle Davidson is floating out his biggest trade chip on the market to see what he can get. Mm -hmm. I would like to say I have no idea why so many fans can't comprehend why he's doing that because... (laughs) As a general, as a general manager, you're supposed to be fielding calls, checking in on the value of your players, on your assets, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's doing yeah. his Wait, job. Wait, I thought the Hawks were just a player or two away. Isn't that what all the fans say? Well, this time last summer, well, that's what you were hearing. I mean, I think I said it on this podcast. You were hearing, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe if they they might be, uh, you know, a Wayne Gretzky and a. Nicholas Lidstrom away or something, yeah. but <laughs> well, let's 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 clarify that and just kind of have a unified stance from the rink. Uh, you know, folks, Kyle Davidson is doing nothing wrong right now. In fact, he's doing his job. He's doing his uh, job. Exactly. This is what he should be doing right now. He should be receiving phone calls on all of his players as a young GM and say, "What are these guys worth? We are doing a rebuild right now. What is the return?" And, I, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's proactive. That's forward thinking. That's everything that he should be doing. And folks, you can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. You can't be upset with Stan Bowman for doing soft rebuilds or partial rebuilds and watching them not work and criticizing him and almost lying to the fan base saying, hey, we're right there. You can't be disappointed in that and then be disappointed in what Kyle Davidson is doing right now. You just can't be. You got to pick something here. You know, we can wallow in mediocrity for much longer, and that hasn't been a whole lot of fun. Um, I certainly haven't enjoyed that. No, somebody tweeted at me um, earlier this week saying, well, the Hawks are going to be unwatchable next season. I go, they really haven't been watchable the last couple of years. What have you, what have you been watching? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you been watching for five years? So, <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of this does come down to how much can the Wurtz family stomach as far as revenue loss. They will have to take a hit financially for a couple of years if they actually go through with this. But um, and, and, and even yeah. then, Andy, um, in our hiatus, I was listening to some other podcasts and um, a baseball podcast. Yes, I know everything's tied Shocker. to baseball. Yeah, that's what, Shocker. That's what but I was doing. also listening to um, Puck <laughs> Soup and stuff like that. Um, most of these owners, like the Words family, they don't own the Blackhawks for the cash flow. It's just a shiny new toy that when yep. the asset appraises in value, that's what it is. So, like, losing, like, regardless of what they say, that they're going to lose money at the ticket sales, like, even when they won the Stanley Cup in 09-10, Worth Beverage still had to foot the bill for the Blackhawks. Right. So, I don't think the – I think it's all about how bad are they – do they want to look in terms of their popularity in the city. Yeah. Not in terms of what ticket sales are going to be. Totally agree. The the other thing right now too is so I, you know, with where the NHL is at, and considering that you might need to pay Alex DeBrinket nine million plus next summer, um, I bumped into Matthew Darsh at the Frozen Four. Um, I went to prep school with him. He was a finalist to be the GM candidate with the Blackhawks, and he we were talking about the Hawks, and he said just just be ready. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And he also indicated that the cap is probably going to be flat for another couple of years because of the economy and is not. And then in two years from now, might get a huge kick. And then all of a sudden we'll be back and in business and people will be ready uh, to make a lot more deals. So this this is not exactly spending time right now, folks. This isn't the time, no matter where your team is, to throw a bunch of cash at some guy. And and so you know, the, the economics behind it, we don't, we're not privy to what's going on with the worst family and the economics and what the Blackhawks have to do, but Alex to bring it to keep him through, through a rebuild might end up costing more money than it would be to move him. 
when you think about it. I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's something to consider as well. So, you know, I guess what I, where I want to go now, so there, there's been a couple articles. So Lazarus and Powers, two guys for The Athletic, are obviously arguing the different points. You know, Lazarus saying you got to keep this guy. Powers saying you got to move him. There was an article on NBC uh, Sports by Adam Gretz, who uh, sometimes I agree with this guy. Sometimes I don't, just like most columnists. Adam Gretz, I'm going to go ahead and criticize you right now for uh, the unforgivable saying that Patrick Kane was not a top 10 NHL player uh, from 2010 to 2020. Uh, When you wrote that on Christmas Eve, it absolutely ruined my holidays uh, because you were wrong. Um, And so I'm going to go ahead and stick to that. But anyway. He wrote something of value today, and he started talking about the possibility of Pat, or of Alex DeBrinket being traded. And the comparisons and the names that were being thrown out were Taylor Hall when he was young, Tyler Sagan when he was young, Patrick Laine, which is to be determined. Um, Jack Eichel was referenced in there. Now, hold on before everyone goes, whoa, he's not the same player, Jack Eichel. I don't know. The numbers those two put up are similar. And Alex Dabrinkit, I think, probably does more of in his own end of the ice and is less maintenance as a person. So now let's talk return. I mean, I the return, if they do this, needs to be intense. It needs to be steep. It needs to be it needs to be more than than what the Sabres got for Eichel because Eichel was disgruntled and wanted to leave, and there was public shenanigans behind it that are not going on with Dabrinkit right now. Bardo, as far as a return. What's your expectation? And we can toss a number of different things around, but it's got to be something really good if it happens. 100%. It's got to be a lot. I mean, the other thing is is that Eichel had to be traded. He wasn't going, you know, he didn't want to be there anymore. He had the injury uh, that he was dealing with, you know, the potential neck surgery, which obviously happened. So, and, and there was just zero leverage there. Plus, it was in the middle of the season. So most teams were just not going to make a deal of that magnitude in the middle of the season. For a $10 million cap hit, too. Exactly. For a huge cap hit like that. Um, You know, as you saw, Vegas had to get very, very creative in order to, you know, fit him under the cap. So now you're talking about Dabrinkit, who is a controllable asset. Um, You know, they'll have him for, what is it, another year, and then he's a restricted free agent. So you qualify him. So... I mean, but who knows? I mean, maybe when they, if they make a trade, it's, you know, there may be a contingency that he has to get a, a new contract, which is always possible. But um, yeah, the return's got to be steep. I mean, second overall pick, if we're talking about the Devils being interested, I think that's certainly um, not out of the question. I mean, second overall pick and maybe, you know, another asset or two, um, I think makes sense. So yeah, I mean, I think, you know, remember, like I said before, they don't have to trade him. You know, they shouldn't just give them away. If there's no. if the right deal is there, make it. Absolutely. Well, that, and that's and that, to the point that we were just talking about, field offers. Mm-hmm. If the offers are insignificant, don't do it. Right. And you don't have to do anything. Shawnee, what would your expectation be on a return? So I'm at least um, – I can't remember who said this in the uh, ring chat earlier today, so I apologize, but – um, somebody make a great point saying you don't trade Alex Dabrinkit just for draft picks. You've right. got to get prospects back. And so looking at the article that you referenced, Andy, Buffalo got a first-round pick, a second-round pick, Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs for uh, Jack Eichel, who had the back problem and stuff like that. So I want I want at least like a top-center prospect from anyone mm-hmm. back. The whether Their top-center prospect – Hopefully it's a high, a former high draft pick or somebody on the cusp of making the NHL, another right. prospect, and then other draft picks. That's what I want because, yeah. I mean, you've got to restock your entire – like the entire system needs um, players. So you yeah. target areas of need that you think you can develop at the NHL level, like somebody who's on the cusp of being ready to play, and then draft picks. Then you target other areas of need because – I mean, the Hawks don't have a first-round pick coming into this year, so that's that's a big area of concern. And next yeah. year, potentially, for sure. they're going to have two. If you could acquire another one next year, yeah. that's three first-round picks. Right, that's huge for a team that's right. in the midst of a rebuild. So, and I think um, Tuck, Still here. Uh, Tuck, Tuck's a great Tuck's. I saw. I was actually the one Blackhawks game I attended 
was when the Hawks blew their four goal lead to the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, and exciting. Alex Tuck put on the show. He also, I think he put, he played really well the night before too for Buffalo. Um, but a player of his caliber, I think, is a, a must include. Maybe even somebody younger than him. I think he's twenty five. He's twenty five, and he's from nearby. I think he's from Seattle, yeah. Actually. Yeah. I mean, I the bottom line is, I don't, I don't think it's unrealistic for Kyle Davidson to talk to whoever he's talking to and say, "You got to come more with what the Sabers did with Eichel." Yeah. I don't. I mean, it, it needs to blow people away. It definitely um, better not be the. Peter Shirelli, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, one for one. Well, no, and I mean, and, and the analytics need to be thrown out there, too. I mean, they need to take into account lost revenue. They need to take into account, you know, uh, jersey sales, marketing, et cetera. I mean, he's probably, well, Kane and Taves, I would still put him, them ahead as the most marketable Blackhawk right now, just for the nostalgia years. I think it's, that's fair. But you're trading your best player. Um mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. I mean, he's, he's a premier player in the league. So, you know, the other thing though, it's funny, New Jersey and, and Eric, I want your thoughts on New Jersey. A lot of people are just throwing New Jersey out there as the, you know, as the team. And so I, I actually like that idea in the sense that New Jersey in the last five years has had, you know, a, has had three top five picks. And so everyone's saying, well, why would they give up the second overall pick? Well, it's like, well, maybe they need a proven player now. Um, and what do you think your thoughts on New Jersey or other teams who might be in the mix for this thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think New Jersey for good reason is that team that keeps kind of coming up. Um, you know, they've made it known, uh, earlier this spring that they would, you know, consider moving that second overall pick for immediate help. So I think that's, you know, also kind of fueling into this is, you know, just that fact that they've been vocal about being willing to move that pick. Um, you know, to me, if you're making a deal with New Jersey, that is a pretty much a non-negotiable. You have to get that pick in the deal, um, you know, and then some, you know, whether that, you know, might be someone, you know, maybe you could pry a Ty Smith from them. Maybe you could get a Dawson Mercer from them, you know, someone yep. like that, uh, right. you know, kind of as that secondary higher end piece in the deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, like to what you're saying, I think it makes a lot of sense from the devil's standpoint, because like you said, they have, you know, over the last few years, really built up a nice, um, you know, talent pool of young players that are, you know, getting to that point where they are ready to start taking those steps forward as a team. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, if they can add a premier talent, you know, that can really, if you, you think about it, Debrinket can pretty much play any way you want. He can do a little bit of everything and do that all very well. You put them so, on a line with Jack Hughes, and there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the other thing is they're very deep at center ice, so they can you know then go after that you know premier goal scoring winger that's you know probably not something they really have in their organization right now. So it's a good fit for the Devils. Um, it's a good fit for them as as far as where they're at as an organization. You know, with the the bigger assets that they have already in their system. You know, as far as their age and development and stuff, Debrinket fits in with kind of their timeline. So it, it's definitely a good fit for them in, in quite a few uh, areas. Um, you know, so New Jersey definitely makes a lot of sense. And like I said, getting that second overall pick, uh, you know, certainly is is a, a good thing for the Hawks if it happens. Um, you know, maybe it's not Shane Wright if he goes first overall, but then you you know you could either go for, you know, Logan Cooley if you're really focused on a center, which I don't yeah. think is a, a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, you know, you could go for Slavkovsky and hope that he kind of almost replaces Dabrinkit. Um, you know, I, I would probably lean t- more toward a center and, you know, hope that Shane Wright is somehow there for you too. That would be great. Yeah, um, another team, though, you know, and this is a team that has come up as well, um, that – I don't know if I would necessarily say I might be more interested in trying to work something out. Um, But just looking at what they have as far as prospects is the Los Angeles Kings. And, you know, kind of referencing the Jack Eichel trade, if I'm looking at the Kings, what I would be more or less demanding in that deal would be Quinton Byfield, who gives you a premier center prospect. Right. As, as well as I would also demand Arthur Kaliev, hoping that he could potentially one day come somewhat close to what Dabrinkit is. 
probably not as good of an all-around player, but if he can score 30-plus, yeah, that's re- a nice get. Refilling that need, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are great takes. Those are great takes. I guess, I, you know, Bardo, what is there anything wrong with holding on to Debrinkit? Well, let me actually just go back to the point about New Jersey. The other thing that, that's interesting, you know, especially being here in this area and knowing how these two teams operate, um, the, the Devils are certainly looking out the uh, the window and seeing across the Hudson River um, the success that the Rangers have had. So they want to accelerate and they feel like they're ready to, you know, accelerate the rebuild and almost do what the Rangers, you know, did, which is, you know, look, they had Panarin sort of fall into their lap. They think that perhaps now, you know, maybe getting, you know, to bring it as sort of a more of a win now move than taking the second overall pick, whoever that is. Another option for them would be, you know, trying to sign, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, who was, you know, from New Jersey. Um, So that's another option. But they're they're kind of in that. okay, I think it's time to sort of accelerate, you know, hit the accelerator on our um, on our rebuild because we have a ton of young talent. And now I think it's time to surround them with some proven um, commodities. So, um, but to, to answer your question, I mean, look, I, I think holding on to him is certainly, it's not ideal, but I mean, you could just wait it out and see if there, if the market sort of rebuilds itself, you know, meaning that another team comes at you, you know, say later in the summer or, um, early in the season, or maybe closer to the trade deadline. And then all of a sudden right. you're able to get, you know, a ton for him. So I think that's certainly possible. Um, you know, could you keep him long term and and you know, then he's here by the time they're good? Certainly possible, but and maybe it doesn't take four to five years, like they're saying. Maybe you know, you hit the lottery in a couple, you know, a couple of times, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're you're almost in a similar situation as the Rangers or other teams. Yeah, but yeah, you, you know, yeah. I mean, there's certainly op, uh, you know, there's certainly positives to keeping him, but I think at this point, if we're looking to you know, if the Hawks are looking to rebuild the entire thing, I think trading him is going to be the best option. Yeah, and I mean, now it's being talked about. So now it's on the tip of everyone's tongues. So now the idea of him staying almost sounds like to fans is like, whoa, you know, what's mm-hmm. wrong there? I guess, I, you know, I you know, I know Ray, Ray, what's up, Ray? Ray uh, Napientek, uh, maybe the people biggest. People will come, Ray. Yeah, people will come, Ray. Maybe the biggest Alex Debrinkit supporter out there doesn't want to see him dealt. Um, he is a hell of a hockey player. It would be a shame that, you know, no one, no one saw Alex Dabrinka being shipped out of town at the age of 24. Um, at the same time though, I mean, I don't like, if you're really rebuilding, there might not be another opportunity to move him. Right. Summer. Sure. The trade deadline coming up, but you're not going to get what you would get in a summer sweepstakes. And then if you have him at, nine million and you're still rebuilding and you're still losing is someone gonna be able to take him on for four or five years at nine and a half million if all of a sudden he's on a losing team and he stops producing um you know i hate to be the naysayer and say well what if he goes on a downward trend but it's it's very possible you know the other the one down the one downside of right now is that we're looking at a flat cap for the next couple of years and knowing that his his number is going to go up then that could turn teams off but who knows here's something i've been thinking about this whole time too uh with trading alex to is he the domino that forces patrick kane to move his no movement clause well that's the big kicker yeah that's yeah because I, 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 and I don't know if it, it, there could be a cause and effect there. I don't know if that's the intention, but is that finally the way that's going to be like, okay, Mercane's like, right now, I mean, they just keep shipping everyone out of here. Maybe it's time for me to go. Right. Um, there, there's, there's legacy and then there's rotting on the vine, to use a quote from the Bardo here, rotting on the vine here in Chicago and playing out the, the rest of his career on a losing team. Well, if, if that's I mean, the case, if, if that's what it takes to get Kane to wave it, so be it. Let's go. Like, I don't – I mean, yeah, I Yeah, you could – if you could trade Alex to bring it and Patrick Kane in the same offseason, like the return – Kyle Davidson theoretically would be able to do what he – like create his vision like yeah. that. And then, then it's all on him. Like he has the keys. There's no – there's no – uh Garbage hanging on the back of the car. Everything's good. It's all shined up. He can do whatever he wants with it. Yeah. 
And folks, so. folks out there that are listening or that will listen tomorrow, keep in mind too, we're not talking about trading Brandon Hagel here. Right. I mean, this is not, this is not we're trading for, I mean, and, and what the Hawks got for Brandon Hagel was, in my opinion, an absolute steal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, great. Brandon Hagel might go and win a Stanley Cup in a matter of two weeks and good for him. But what they would get in return for Alex Brinkett would be much greater than that. So if you're happy about those two first round picks plus two NHL players, you will get that plus more if Alex Debrinkit is moved. This is not I thought Brandon Hagel was the Artemi Panarin though. Well, that's what a lot of <laughs> Hawks fans thought. Yeah, the can't miss guy who Brandon, he's playing a great role with Tampa. You know, he's got what one empty net goal in his last I don't know, whatever, 12, 13 games, whatever it he's, is. That's he's not been, his goal. He's been fine. He's been great. He's he, he filled their hole, their, their role. He, they needed a third-line guy with energy. He's he was, what he uh, they acquired him to do. He was – um. who did they, he who did they acquire? He, his analytics, he drives possession. Let me tell you something. I, I'm paying a guy who could drive possession. Who cares? <laughs> no, but, I mean, he's, he is, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing on a championship-caliber team mm-hmm. and that, you know – Tampa Bay's winning this trade. Chicago's winning this trade. Everybody right. wins in this trade. There's there are no losers in the Brandon Hagel trade. Period. Um, it, it made sense for both sides. No brainer with the cost uh, and the cap containment with Hagel for a team that just I don't who knows if they can be stopped. We can do cup predictions in a minute, but I, I wouldn't bet against Tampa anymore. Uh, regardless, no, they're they're like Real Madrid when they get to the finals, they just win. They just figure it out. <laughs> They just figure it out. There's um, a soccer reference for you guys. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm a big soccer guy. Though we do know people that think that Vasilevsky is overrated. Not entirely sure who said that, but I'm going to ha- go ahead and point that out. Yeah. Next me. Um, yeah. But at, any, <laughs> at any rate. Um, so we did to it. Kirby Doc's name is being thrown out there. Um. They're fielding calls on Kirby Doc. You know what? They're fielding calls on everybody. Um, I think the two names that probably just popped up were Doc and Debrink because they went, oh, no. Well, uh, and, and everybody wants to move Doc because he's not any good when they didn't develop him. They rushed him. Even Kyle uh, Davidson has said that in some of his interviews, unless I'm misquoting him. Don't I don't want to pull um, somebody else in the blogosphere, Twitter world that – yeah, interprets what he says as opposed to actually quotes him. So, yeah, um, I, yeah, I, folks, Kirby Doc's play and his productivity. If you want to point finger, you can point to Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton, um, and the Blackhawks organization for their failure with how they handled him. Um, you know, I think that I feel like most of us are on board with that. Sure, does he carry some of the accountability? Of course, but. You know, when you ask it, when you ask a new 20 year old or if he was 19 or 20 at the time, hey, listen, can you can you get your wrist back quickly? Because we really need to sell jerseys and get back here. They're going to say yes. And yeah. they're going to do whatever they're told. Um, so Kirby Doc. So let's, let's talk about Doc. Doc could still be a hell of a hockey player. He could be. He could be. He's young. Someone's going to have to find a role for him somewhere. Um, Eric, your thoughts on moving Doc? Can they get anything for him? Would it just be a reclamation project for a reclamation project? Or well, how do you feel about this whole thing, Eric? Yeah, I think at this point, that's what it would be. And at that point, what's the point? You know, like, I would, you know, your asset better than the asset that you'd be getting. So, the only reason to me that it makes any sense to move him is if you've seen enough at this point where you truly do not feel that he can become a top six player long-term. If you don't think he can, then yeah, move him and try to get the best thing you can. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the guy's what, 21 years old. Yeah. And he's gone through, you know, a pretty bad injury gone through, you know, the jump to the NHL in a couple of weird seasons and, you know, condensed schedules. And I don't know what people were expecting. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, bad coaches, Bardo. Yeah. 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 I mean, they they set him up for failure and guess what happened? He failed. That's not his fault. You know, like I said, what did you expect for him to do? 
so you know but unfortunately it's it's too late to go back and do things the right way you know you you missed out on these two or three years to properly develop him and it certainly backfired on them um you know so now it's kind of just hoping that he can still put it together yeah and you know maybe he becomes a, a good second line center or a top six winger or whatever it might be and if so that's you know that's okay you know you still yeah. need those guys and maybe it's not what you originally hoped for but it's still a top six nhl player that's a valuable piece yep but you know whether you keep him long term or you trade him, you're probably not going to get that value that you were originally hoping for. Either no. way, yeah. I think they've they've just done done the damage, and that you know that ship kind of sailed. So now it's kind of just seeing what you can get out of him. And at this point, I would say you're, they're probably better off just hanging on to him and and seeing you know what he can do, you know, without that without that pressure. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that. Kirby Doc, if you moved him right now, number one, I don't think the return would be outstanding. Um, you know, it could be another draft pick for another draft pick that someone else doesn't think is, is panning out. The other thing is that I, I, I think in, in years past when you've seen, you know, Yoki Aharyu or, or other, you know, kind of picks for picks being traded, usually there was something that a, that a coach or someone identified as something that's a problem um, or a problem with motivation for that matter. Um, I don't think anyone has ever criticized Kirby Doc as not being a dedicated, hardworking kid. Um, so the other thing I, is, I thought you, I actually read that recently that he's not a hardworking kid. I thought I read that the, the Blackhawks were upset with his dedication. Really? Oh, I, I, I think I read that on the Athletic. I'll have, don't okay. quote. Don't everybody blast me on the internet about this. Hey, but I'll, I'll, I'll do some. Sean, man, Sean didn't say that. He's. He may have seen that. We don't know. I may have seen that. I read a lot of articles, you know. Well, the bottom line, too, is, I mean, and, and I have a lot of leather-bound books. We can get into this, too. We still don't know who's coaching the Blackhawks next year. We still don't know who's going to be in the cage for the Blackhawks next year. So, I mean, all those things. I mean, is Kirby Doc kind of a secondary thought? Sure, field the calls for him, but you're not going to – I don't know. I just don't – Bardo, is that where you're at? I just don't think there's going to be an overwhelming – yeah, I, I, I think at this point, if you are going to trade him, you just hope it's not another, you know, Nylander for Yoki Haru and Yoki Haru went to Buffalo and actually, you know, has played pretty well and contributed, you know, yeah. meaningful minutes for, for you know, albeit a bad team. But um, but Nylander's no longer in the NHL. So, I mean, who won that trade? It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you just don't want to end up in that situation again. But, you know, look, the next coach could come in and if they're very good and or known for talent development, then to me, it's worth keeping him here. You kind of wipe the slate clean and say, here, here's good. This is what your role is going to be. And just let him, you know, sink or swim, you know, come in, have, you know, a system of teaching this, these kids what to do and how to be NHL players. And that's that. So, yeah, I like that. Sean, is that where you're at, too? I mean, we really there's really hasn't been a role identified for Kirby Doc yet, has there? No. Yeah, they've got a. This offseason, whoever, the, whenever they get the new coach installed, they've got to come up with a plan for him. Like that, I think that's the biggest, uh, the biggest issue. They like um, Derek King was trying to do stuff with him this year, but he didn't. Derek King was trying to do stuff with the whole team for long term, but you don't know if he's going to be the coach. Um, obviously, we talked about that they rushed him. He was injured when he started. They rushed him. They played him three games at Rockford. They rushed him. So on and so forth. So yeah, they need a plan for him. We're not at the point where it's like a, a Jack Skilly dump for Michael Fro League that happened to pan out. Yeah, that was great. That was great, but and I don't think proof of his life. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think Kirby Docs reached the Jack Skilly level of. Uh, no. And we need to get rid of him. So. Yeah. Okay. And on a previous podcast, I think I'd mentioned that, you know, with Kirby Doc, w what is he? We don't know what he is yet. We don't know right. if he's a winger, a center. Is he good defensively? Is he a goal scorer? Is he a passer? We know he sucks at face-offs. That could always get better. But we, we just don't know what he is because I just don't think he's been coached properly. Well, I know he hasn't been coached yeah, properly. No, there's been no development strategy behind so, it. Right. So hopefully the new coach can establish a role for him and, and figure out like what the hell he's actually good at. We've seen skill. We've seen glimpses. I mean, going back to the Edmonton bubble, he was probably 
you know, their best player, you know, either him or Taves, but he was, he was great in that series. Yeah. So, no, he did. He did really well. And I think, it, it, and I think we're, we're hitting on all the right buttons. I mean, there, there really hasn't been any sort of plan for Kirby doc mm-hmm. and hopefully someone can come in and, and, and identify that. And I think that that's, that's what's been difficult so far. And I don't, there's been no roadmap. I mean, I think he was drafted by Stan Bowman and Stan Bowman thought that he'd catch lightning in a bottle and just insert this kid. And all of a sudden it would rejuvenate the offense. And then, oh my gosh, we're back in it. And it didn't happen. And that was unfair uh, for, for Kirby to, to put that on his shoulders. So I don't know. We'll see what happens again. I, Kyle Davidson field calls on everybody. See what's out there. You know, someone could bowl him, bowl him over, but I don't, I just don't, obviously there's going to be a ton of interest in Dabrinkit. I just don't know how many will call and be like, Kirby Doc's a player that we think can get us the next place we need to be. Um, and that's not an indictment on Doc. Um, it's just uh, where he is in his career. Maybe after his next RFA deal, if he's still not panning out, maybe somebody calls and says, we think we can fix him or we yeah. think we can develop him into somebody we can use or something like that. Right. Then you feel those calls. That's the other thing is holding on to Doc is a is – you know, zero sum game is pretty cheap. Yeah. You know, he won't, he won't be a, it's a pretty cost effective re-signing if that's what they do. So I get, I guess, you know, we, we had one, one question uh, come through and we posted this on Twitter. So to the one person, Joe pizza lover, temp, go bolt, no idea who you are. Um, I'm sure you're awesome. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, two questions. One were thoughts on Bruce Cassidy as head coach of the Blackhawks. Obviously, that ship has sailed. Bruce Cassidy is off to the Vegas Golden Knights where he will have a great lineup to work with. He's good with good lineups. Uh, his record with the Boston Bruins in the regular season was the equivalent. Someone tweeted it, but, I mean, it was right up there with Scotty Bowman and, and some of the best coaches of all time during the regular season. Uh, Bruce Cassidy had some issues with the work ethic and drive and dedication of Jake DeBrusque. Bruce, good luck with Jack Eichel. I just want to throw that out there. Um, Andy, um, you're in the Boston area. What was the um, the temperature when they fired him? Because at least what I read, it like it, they told him the night before you're you're going to stay, and then they canned him the next day. People are upset. Um, I'll say that uh, the the Boston faithful right now are bummed out. They like Bruce Cassidy. Um, there are so many rumors floating around there. Um, you know, I've got friends that have said, well, I'm glad Cassidy's gone because he publicly criticized players for their work ethic. I personally don't have a problem with that um, necessarily. But, you know, I think a lot of people are feeling about Don Sweeney, the way that Blackhawks fans feel about Stan Bowman, that he's saying this is my. Uh, this is my one way to demonstrate that I'm in charge right now. And this is my last chance to save my job. Um, you know, I, Don Sweeney has drafted so poorly. Um, at one point, I forgot the year of the draft when they had the 13th, 14th and 15th overall picks. That was the DeBrusque year. Yeah. And the, and the, yeah. And the players they left on the board, I mean, were just Shvestikov and uh, Barzell. And I mean, all these just unreal talents. It was an unbelievable draft that year. So, um, and they missed. But so people are ticked off. No one knows if Bergeron is coming back. Apparently, Pasternak is so upset because he had a great rapport with Cassidy. So, um, Boston fans are pretty bummed out. And, and I think they're all anticipating that Cassidy's going, going to go into Vegas. And all of a sudden, they're going to be in the conference finals next year, which they're fully capable of doing with that roster and, um, and him as a coach in place. But, um, Back to the Blackhawks and the coaching search. Eric, where are we going here? King is still a candidate. Do you want King back? Uh, do, should, what, what's next? I mean, I don't know. Trotz is out. Barry Trotz will not be part of this uh, this search. Where do we go? With a rebuilding team, what do you do here? Do you just plug someone in? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I almost feel kind of indifferent about who it is it's more about kind of what type of coach they are I mean it needs to be someone that their strength is developing talent I don't care who it is if it's Derek King cool if it's Joe Schmo cool I don't like it doesn't matter to me who it is it's more about what that coaching style is and how that fits into where this franchise is um 
I know, I know there's been a few names that have been thrown out there as guys that they will, will, or have talked to, um, you know, again, kind of indifferent about those guys. Um, in a way it's kind of like, if you're going to go with someone that has, you know, the, the angle of developing players and being kind of a, a player's coach, I don't see why you wouldn't just keep King around. You know, that's what he is. So if that's what you want, I don't see what the point is in bringing someone else in and changing it up. And, you know, changing it up is what you do, you know, when you're Boston, when you have the team and you just aren't getting results. So they don't need to change it up as far as the coaching style and the mentality and stuff, you know, what King does is basically what they need. So, right. you know, you know, to me, whatever, I don't know. Um, one name, I'll throw this out there. No one has talked about this guy at all. And I don't even think it's, it's realistic, but just someone that, that popped into my head because it's actually somebody that, uh, well, I guess Bard wasn't interested or no, I'm here. you're here. Andy was not in- interested. Yeah. Well, um, who, tell us, Eric, who is he? He is an assistant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets. His name is Kenny McCudden. He is the former uh, skills coach for the Chicago Wolves. Okay. And he has done um, skills development and skills coaching for decades for NHL players, NHL teams, um, as well as, uh, I mean, he's done a lot of, of work with uh, youth players over the years. Um, I, you know, he was a coach for me for a number of years. Um but he's he's very good at developing talent, developing skill, and he can. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. He can coach and work with any type of player. He knows how to get the best out of whoever it is. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's something that he would be interested in. I'm sure it probably would be. Um, he's from the Chicago area, um, or at least lived in the Chicago area for a long time. Um, you know, is familiar with the Chicago hockey landscape, having been with the Wolves for a long time. Um, but yeah, that's just a name that popped up to me again. I don't think that that's realistic just because you know, I, I've never heard his name mentioned once, but when I'm looking at the, the type of coach that they should be going for, you know, it, it needs to be someone that's really good at developing talent. So, you know, just to throw my oddball name out there, that's, that's who I would, at least have in in people's minds as a potential option that I'm sure will never happen. Yeah. I love that. I'm back by the way. Sorry about that. I don't know what (laughs) cut out there, but I I like that. I also like, I don't, this is not going to be like a a destination place for a proven coach right now. I mean, there's only only 30, what, how many teams are there? 32, 30, 30 teams. I mean, there's only 30 of those jobs in the world. So, you know, there's somebody that's going to want to come in and, you know, be that guy that, you know, ultimately, you know, helps turn this franchise around. I mean, right. they know it's going to be a, a, you know, they'll tell you in the press conference, we know it's a long road. We know what the vision is and the plan is, and it's going to be right. a lot of work. So, yeah. Do you, to your point though, Eric, about the guy that you just mentioned, though, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want the Blackhawks to be gun shy about because of what happened with Colleton around hiring another young person. You know, that yeah. comes, he, you know, he's not young. He's probably like he's oh, probably he's like in his fifties or something, maybe oh, early sixties. But oh, I mean, yeah. he he's been around for a while. He actually he was a I think he was an equipment manager for the Hawks in the eighties when my dad worked for them. So I mean, he's oh, even cool. been in the organization before. So nice. so he knows about Gunzos and like history of Chicago. That kind he of he sure stuff. does. He sure does. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Well, I think I, there's one thing that we touched base on before we hit the record button, and that, and uh, Sean and Bardo, you guys were really in on this, and that was the goaltending situation. And the name Peter Mrazek um, has been thrown out in trade rumors um, as far as acquiring some help. I mean, the Blackhawks really don't have a whole lot in the pipes right now. In fact, next to nothing. Um, Sean, Mrazek, yeah. goalie, anyone? Bueller? So – like, does any just someone call us, please, and tell us you want to play goalie? So, Morazic <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Scott Powers did an article on it. Uh, the Davidsons or Kyle and Kyle put their um, Dubas and Davidson put their differences behind them after their faux pas last year. 
Um, <laughs> so obviously Toronto has to move Morazic because he can't be counted on to play consistent goalie. The Blackhawks don't really need a like a Mark Andre Fleury type goalie during a rebuild. They just need a guy who's not going to get embarrassed every night, and that's what Peter Morazic will do. He's under contract for the next two years. Maybe um, if you're helping Toronto out essentially by taking him. Sure. So obviously you're going to ask for a sweetener in the deal, which should help. Um, and then you've got a goalie for two years. Maybe you pair him with Sauterblom and, or you let Sauterblom start in Rockford and hopefully you can bring him up uh, later in the year. But yeah, Morazic makes a lot of sense just because he's not going to cost you. He might even be similar to what the Hawks did with Marc-Andre Fleury where you literally give them a prospect that they're not going to keep. You take all the money, and they give you something to sweeten the pot. Or you give them back some serviceable player that they can play on their fourth line or something. Yeah. And you do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Morazic makes a lot of sense in that regard. Good take. But Bard, your thoughts on Morazic and just the goaltending situation in general? Is there anything you want to see happen? I mean, they need someone back there. Yeah, I mean, look, if they can take someone like Morazic or anybody like that off – you know, they're off a team's chest for a couple of years and absorb the salary and get a sweetener. I would do that. I'd also like to see, you know, said veteran also be somewhat of a mentor and maybe help along these young guys that they have. I mean, bring back no Marty. idea. We have, what was that? Bring back Marty Turco or something. Yeah, Marty Turco, <laughs> Peter Sidorkowitz. I don't even care. But... Jocelyn Tebow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. it's. It's simple. It's, it's you know, we don't know if Jackson Stauber, if they caught lightning in a bottle with any of these guys. I mean, right. who knows? I mean, let's right. just see if somebody can, you know, teach them how to be an NHL or maybe eventually these guys develop into something. I mean, quite frankly, I, I don't think you need an elite goaltender to win. I mean, it's been proven before. I mean, the Blackhawks did it in 2010. I'd rather have the elite team in front of the goaltender. Right. Um, you know, I just need the goaltender to make the big save. So quite frankly, if you can just develop any of these guys into somebody who's solid, then that's fine. I don't want to be a team that builds around its goalie. That's not the way to build a championship no, team. Not, not how the NHL works. Right. So quite frankly, I mean, I, I just want somebody who is a veteran that maybe brings along a sweetener and that could, you know, sit there for a couple of years and also well, play for a couple of years and then also mentor some of these young kids. Yep. Isn't Barube still out there too? JF Barube? Yeah, isn't he still out there? I think so. Yeah. I, I thought he played a little with Columbus last year. Might have. Maybe I'm just making that up. Whoever's coming in, they need to be ready to see a lot of rubber. There's going to be a lot of shots headed your way and might not be the most fun you've ever had playing the game. But And by the way, Shawnee, to your point, your question to Andy the uh, before about uh, the reaction to uh, – um, Bruce Cassidy's firing. Could you imagine what the reaction was here with Barry Trotz got canned by the Islanders? Yeah, oh, pretty bad. Probably, yeah. Holy shiitake mushrooms! Holy well, cow, Mike. Yeah, that was that was a that was a shocker. Um, going off topic, I, I guess Winnipeg, a brewery in Winnipeg, offered Barry Trotz free beer for life <laughs> if he coaches the Winnipeg Jets. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't know how Trotz is as a beer drinker, but you know. Yeah. Oh, that'd be pretty tempting, regardless of salary. Yeah. Um, I wanted to circle back, if we could, on yeah, – I know Eric had talked about, like, coaching names. Mm -hmm. um, there's a really great article on The Athletic that I read a couple weeks ago about Anders Sorensen. Mm -hmm. He was the um, interim coach at Rockford. If they don't go with – I know he, did, he necessarily doesn't want to be a head coach. They, like, made that clear in the article. But he did a great job, like, developing – the prospects at Rockford and playing well with the Ice Hogs down there too after it took over for King. Yeah. So I think if he's I think whoever the next head coach is, if he's not at Rockford, he'll be on the staff with the Blackhawks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um I, I like think the, he's a yeah. name to watch. He's he's yeah. been like a developmental I think he was with the mission for a little bit too, I thought I read someplace. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Eric's point on this. Totally agree with it to the the fact that you just need someone in player development. Mm -hmm. You don't need someone that's going to systematically try to dissect other teams and get in the win column here. That's not the idea. Hawks are, the Hawks are, should be tanking right now. And that's, uh, 
that's the end game while trying to get younger kids better. So, uh, Frank Cervelli too said Todd Reardon, Brad yeah. Shaw, and Luke Richardson are the names. Sure. Yep. Which okay. <laughs> yeah. Reardon, whatever. Tabor Academy grad. Um, Luke Richardson, yeah. I mean, he had a great playing career. Who knows? Maybe he could do it. I don't know. Uh, he's certainly toughen up the blue line. Flyers uh, that's, legend. That's for sure. Yeah. Leafs legend. Boiler's um, great. Yeah. He used to hit hard. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we've, uh, we're approaching the hour. Any final thoughts, lads, before we, uh, we ride off into the sunset? On a, on Are we doing our Stanley Cup uh, predictions? Let's do it. Let's go around. Um, do you want to go first, Shawnee, since you brought it up? Stanley Cup predictions. Sure. I am going to say Tampa Bay in six. I don't. I think Toronto had the best shot to knock them off. They yep. took everything Toronto had, and they survived. I don't see them losing. They've gotten this far. I don't see them losing in the cup final. Eric, what do you say? I really think it's almost a coin flip. I think it it truly could go either way. It's so hard to go against Tampa Bay right now. Yeah. I mean, how can you truly think that they can't win? Um, one thing that I'm really curious to see how it unfolds and I think could potentially be a difference in the series is, you know, you have both teams, second line centers kind of coming back from injury or trying to come back from injury with Braden Point right. and Nazem Kadri. So I think, you know, how that dynamic kind of uh, unfolds throughout the series could end up being the difference. And Point's had some a lot of time off because they – they swept mm-hmm. Florida, and he got hurt in what, the game two or three? Yeah, he missed ten games. Yeah, he's very close. Yeah. He's very close. Yeah, he uh, he was practicing on the first power play today. They said that there's a good chance really? to play game one. Yeah. I mean, that's – I'm sorry. I mean, in, in no difference to Nazim Kadri. I think Kadri's a hell of a hockey player, but bringing back Braden Point is – Yeah, yeah. Kadri think... may come back in the middle of the series. At yeah. the earliest. And he wouldn't be as healthy as Point probably will be. So right. you look at that comparison there, you know, I, I think that's a potentially interesting storyline, but it's still, you know, the probably the biggest storyline is, you know, the difference in goaltending. I mean, I don't the overrated see, Andre Vasilevsky versus yeah, he's, Frank he's Coors. Special. Or... He's nothing special. I mean, I would probably take, you know, uh Kemper and Francois over Vasilevsky any day. I mean, he's just an average goalie. So, no, I mean, you look at what Vasilevsky has done in the postseason the last couple of years, and, I mean, good luck. Like, you might get, you might catch him well, yeah, one bad game, but you're not beating him four times. No. I mean, I, I – Bardo, your prediction? I'm going lightning in six. I think, actually, this um, Stanley Cup matchup is tremendous. I think it's the best yeah. matchup roster versus roster since 2015 when the Hawks faced the uh the Lightning um you know these two rosters are loaded um I hate picking against Kale McCarr because I love him he's my boy from UMass um but you know the Lightning are just you know they know how to win that they're you know Cooper can outcoach anybody in this league mm-hmm. and I think he's going to run circles around you know Bednar and I Thing you know, like Shawnee said, I think they they got the scare out of them early with the Leafs, um, and maybe even the Rangers series going down 0-2. But then you know they just turned around and kicked the shit out of them. So um, yeah, I'm going Lightning in six. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna do the same deal, Lightning in six, and um, call me a conformist, call me whatever you want. <laughs> just uh, don't call you late for dinner. Right, don't call me late for dinner. And, and I'll I, say I'll say Tampa in seven. Okay. Oh, like, I, I, I think I have, I think Colorado will win game one and I'm going to hold firm to that. I think Colorado will run riot and everyone will get all excited about them. Cooper will take a step back as he did in the Rangers series and say, okay, what do we need to do to address this? We'll implement the stretch pass. We'll just lock down a little bit. We'll slow them down. And, the, and then they'll have less chances against the best goaltender in the world. He's, he's not going to pull an Urban Meyer and say, hey, I think that uh, Nathan McKinnon guy is pretty good. They're, they're not shooting against Bennington. They are not shooting against Mike Smith <laughs> um, in this series. 
you know, I think Vasilevsky and I, and I will, my consmite prediction is Vasilevsky. Yeah. I agree I think, with that. Yeah. I think maybe yeah, he'll give up a few in game one. And then I, I think in the lightning wins, he will give up one goal max. And I'll stand by that. And he I'm won't. actually, I'm actually thinking the first game is going to be very similar to like that Edmonton, Colorado and Edmonton, Calgary first game where it's like a, it was like a seven and five game. I could right. see, you know, a little bit of a feeling out process and it becomes like literally a skating around a shoot around and just speed back and forth. And they just, you know, test each other's metal and before game two, and then they all of a sudden, you know, clamp down. You got a nervous rookie goaltender also, unless Kemper somehow makes it back, but that's what I think is going to happen. Got it. All right, fellas. Well, be well. Good to see you. Um, Good to be seen. In impromptu get together, more of these, please. And, um, you know, I think there was so much going on in the Blackhawk trade talk market that uh, uh, it was time to get together and hash it out a little bit. So thank you for being here on a balmy if not downright hot in the Midwest, uh, early summer evening. So message to Blackhawk fans, last thing to say. Um, and if any of you have anything to add to this, please just feel free to chime in, but don't ask for a rebuild. And then when it starts happening, be upset about it. Okay. You can't have it both ways. It's either happening or it's not. And here we go. So buckle up because pre-draft stuff, as soon as the finals end, things are going to get pretty nutty. It's going to be awesome. Yep. RFAs are going to be traded. Yep. Uh, players are going to be outright uh, not tendered contracts. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. And just because the Kings did it doesn't mean the Hawks have to follow their blueprint. Yep. Any final thoughts, Eric Bardo? I guess for Debrinket, I would say if you're in the camp that you don't want him to leave, I guess I would encourage you to figure out how to get to the point where you expect him gone. And then if he stays, you can be happy. Yep. Cause I would expect that he'll be gone at some point. And you can just listen to Kelly Clarkson on repeat since you've been gone. He'll be fine. <laughs> oh, wow. That was bad. That was, that was almost as bad as me thinking about Kirby Doc should just watch the movie face off. With Nicholas Cage and John Travolta to get better at face For the dads on the group right now, guys like me and Bardo are going to be like, yeah, we're going to use that actually. <laughs> so it actually resonated. Bardo, any final final jabs? Uh, first, shout out to my shirt game. I don't know if you guys can see this. You oh. this. oh, yeah. I love it. Very good. That looks fresh. Excellent. It's a little fuzzy. I don't know if you can see it. Excellent. I may be from New York, but my team is from Chicago. So. I love it. Excellent. Um, yeah, Good buckle job. up, Blackhawk fans. This is going to be like, you know, the really dark, bad years that you're going to probably wish that home games and road games weren't broadcast on television. And um, But you know what? Teams go through this, and sometimes you have to do this for, you know, the long-term benefit. And, you know, we're all in this together. We've been through this before. You've probably been through it with other teams. So, you know, this is just part of the process. You got to do it and do it the right way. Awesome. Right, I've well, got one more, one more yeah, thing. What do you got? I'm going to pull Sean here. I'm going to switch sports real quick. Um, some of you might know I work in uh, ac the academic world. And uh, at our high school, we had a girl who is just an absolutely stud runner. Uh, she was a senior this year. Her name is Addie Wiley. So if you probably haven't heard of her. Go check her out online. She's unreal. She ended her career in high school, five-time state champion, all kinds of records, and just broke the all-time national high school girls record for the 1,600-meter run. Ooh. Broke that national record by over seven seconds last weekend. Wow. So that's congratulations. That's pretty, Wilder. pretty amazing. Addie Wiley, remember that name? Yep. You Eddie. might see her in the Olympics one day. Right. Seriously. Can she, skate and, and can she skate and handle a puck? I wish she could. I wish she could. Blackhawks next year? <laughs> wait, wait, uh, what year is she in school? She just graduated, so she'll be a freshman at the University of Colorado in the fall. All right. Oh, yeah. That's the spot. She ran 426.16, ladies and gentlemen. Buffs. 
That is smoking. Well, congratulations, like Addie. It's all you Buffs fans out there. You're getting a good one. She's gonna. Yeah. Yeah, she's gonna go into uh, you know, when they face Oregon, Prefontaine is gonna be a no name. Yep. <laughs> she's, the, they're gonna rename the pre classic the Abby. There Wiley is. classic. Mm-hmm. And a cancer survivor. Cancer survivor she is. too. She That's is. Awesome. She's got yeah. a great story. Yep. Mm-hmm. Eddie Wildman. Wilder. Addie Wiley. A D Y W I L E Y. All right, Addie Wiley. We're gonna be following you in the Pac-12. Uh, good luck Pac-12. to you. That is awesome, awesome stuff. Congratulations on all you have accomplished and all you will accomplish. And uh, very neat, very neat. Some local talent. Anyway. Uh, we are out of here, folks. And um, as you heard Bardo say, uh, Rink Rats, those of you that are following us, um, you know, we're all in this together with the rebuild. Or maybe, speaking on behalf of the people of the Rink, because we don't know if there's anyone out there listening, maybe we're all alone in this together. So we're not exactly sure. But uh, at any rate, go Hawks. Get ready for the rebuild. Have a hell of a summer, everyone. And you will hear from us again leading up to the draft. So on behalf of myself, Eric Andrews. Sean Fitzgerald and Andrew the Bard. Take care, folks. Have a good night.